had uh, Tricom Heavy Extracts, Mile High Melt dudes from Colorado, uh, a few other like bigger hash names. Is there anyone else down in Massachusetts that's oh, doing it like to your scale? Honestly, dude, Mass has been like Mass kind of like shriveled up. Like when I first got up here, there were so many people making a ton of oil, and I feel like everything was really fire. And now it's like I don't like like I know like something better still makes a little bit of concentrates, but like he's been he's been low key, he's been chilling, he hasn't been producing as much. Um, my buddy John, um, <clears throat> who goes by. He was living resin co. I think he just changed his name because he's he switched over from doing mostly live resin and some solventless to like all solventless now. Um, Did you start off just solventless? Um, technically, technically no, because I um, the first time I ever made oil was 2012 in my homie's backyard. Um, before I went to summer, like before I went to college, like over the summer, and that was straight open blasted BHO, like the things people make memes about. It was terrible. <laughs> um, so that was the first time I really made concentrate because that was the yeah, only. Hey, hold on one second. What were you saying? Oh, uh, I was just gonna say let's. Uh, Want to move his mic closer? Yeah, let's. let's put I can scoot up too. No, we'll we'll we'll, we'll we'll make it where you're comfortable. Cool. Yeah, like let's start close, close and then back it up. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. definitely. No, I think you sound. Uh, I think you sound good like that. Cool. Uh, if you yeah. want to testing, yeah. testing. Like, do you think you sound good, or if you need, you know, like Terp. Terp. <laughs> Terp. Oh, that's what we're going Terp. to. Uh, we're going to name this place Terp's Coffee House. Fire. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I like that. That's uh, that's going to be the fun play off that. So we're working on some design. We don't have any gear for our podcast yet. We're still bare bones on a lot of that. This is still. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thanks. The space is nice. It's uh, little things that uh, we realize that we want to. We're recording, right? We got him to say it was nice on recording. Okay, yeah, good, we're, we're going to keep using yeah, that gonna over and over. Loop, loop it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if, if everyone sounds good in the headphones. Everybody but you, I believe. Yeah, we need to get this kid a mic. We said this last time, too. <laughs> oh, fire. Tell me you have the air horn, too. Oh, oh, bow, 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 bow. oh man. You, you got to get the air horn. That is Wait, my... how do I. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun to play. Make a nice soundboard and stuff. Oh wait, that didn't come through on me? No, it didn't. The oh shit did though. How do we how do I get sound over? No, we're good. We're good. Let's let's get this going. Is and by this I mean the joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. And this I is some GMO don't think I'm going tier. for all of that. But oh you grab some GMO? Well, some quite a bit. Yeah. 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 That's a big boy. That's uh, that's from Best Friend Farms. Okay, uh, cool. It's uh, GMO Cross with Tina. Okay, nice. From uh, Exotic. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It, so you don't really have... Uh, you've been able to dictate a little bit more of the genetics uh, that other people play with now? So I buy a lot of seeds, and I usually spend good money on them, and I'm too afraid to pop them. So I'll, I'll give them to the people who like I trust. So, yeah. like... Uh, all right, finest homies. I've given them several like nice packs of seeds that have, they've popped and they've turned out well. We're just about to harvest uh, some new strains tomorrow, actually. So I'm excited to do that. Sour strawberries is the one that I gave them from that round, which was uh, an older DNA genetics pack of sour D cross a strawana or strawana cross a sour D. I don't know what the male was. Um, 
couple of phenos that smell like, you know, classic straw nana that I'm hoping do well. There's one pheno that is just huge, just like tall and chunky nugs and it faded super early and it smells like banana runts candy. Um, so I'm excited for that. They got some Sunday driver crosses that they're coming down with. So I'm hoping for some terps in that. I'm surprised at how often I haven't seen Sunday Driver in play yet so far yeah. up here. And I wondered if it was because it didn't wash well. Uh, I didn't know. Have you had experience with it? So I think I think there's a couple different phenos of the Sunday Driver. If you're getting, like, the elite cuts, yep. I, don't, I don't know the numbers, but I know there are a couple different ones. And the Melting Trees homie actually have a Sunday Driver cut oh, that nice. does very nicely. Really? It yields about 5% in hash. And it is one of the greasier, like, strands we work with. Like, it's when I'm in the cold room and, like, I sift it and then I go to pour into the jars, like, it starts, like, compacting, like, right away. I got to move real quick with that one. Nice. Um, nice. But, yeah, I think a lot of things is just getting the right pheno because, like, you can pop a Sunday driver pack. Oh, yeah, And sure. it still might not yield well, oh, no. necessarily. It's yeah, trying right. to find the right one. Those selections that you're going to have just it doesn't matter. It might not be any of those. Yeah. We already know about people. I've seen enough um, seed popping to know that uh, there's a ton that miss more often than hit. Yeah, and even like <clears throat> cuts, like getting cuts, like you got to be so certain you trust the people who you're getting <clears throat> cuts from. Like I had a, we did a wash for somebody who told us they had um, like the breeder cut of great pie, and we were real excited for it because yeah. we washed some other great pies and they do well. And this great pie came out terrible. It didn't yield well. It didn't yield well on rosin or hash, and he was very unhappy and he. You know, thought we did some yeah, shady things, something, right? You isn't know, that we, always the accusation that comes yeah, across, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's hard to tell people that their their children are ugly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like that's that's real. Like, You're right, I like that. It's I tough. Didn't even think, uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, he's, uh, still, he's getting better at the soundbite things like that. I try, I try. But so then that grower gave gave that cut to somebody, to some homies we actually know up, up in Maine, uh, Ascension Farms, and they grew out that same cut, and they had the same same sort of, like, yield. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, obviously we didn't do anything shady. It was just sort of, like, the cut isn't... Was it? I, yeah, because different phenos, that. even that, they had different phenos. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the other thing is, too, is, like, some things on their own aren't great, but then if you, like, cross them into other things, like, like Purple Punch usually doesn't do great. But purple punch crosses, like all the symbiotic genetic purple punch crosses are fire. Mm-hmm. Consistently fire. Good hash strains. Oh, so you're becoming a little bit more attracted to certain uh, breeders. Yeah. I yeah. definitely I definitely like to buy from a few specific breeders. I'm usually, these days, I'm buying mostly from some exotic packs if he has, like, things that I'm looking for, like the Tropic Truffle. Like, I love the orange turfs. Oh, the I Tropic just came across Truffle. that yeah, from uh, Dialed In Farms uh, Super. the other day. Are you familiar uh, with? or have, um, I'm not. I'm who not. are they, Evan? Do you, do you remember who Dialed In Farms? I don't. Uh, I never got a chance to meet them. There's so many, like, people popping up. Like There are. Not yeah. really in my neck of the woods, but up here, it's, like, popping. I feel like you guys have a lot friendlier laws to, like, start things yeah, up. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Which definitely helps people. I want to say that maybe uh, about a year and a half ago up here, there were... I mean, there are thousands of growers up here. And, yeah. the, and a lot of them that are um, out-of-staters who came here maybe 2010-ish or yep. earlier. And uh, they made it home. So the out-of-staters, you can tell their impact because there seemed to be a lot more knowledge going into it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. I definitely For, for Mainers, I mean, even though uh, we were doing it, it was mostly outdoor. 
yeah. it was a large contingent that were mostly outdoors. So the shift to go indoor I'm okay. was seen as, yeah, only 98% of the time. <laughs> You it's like didn't yeah. catch him on the two percent. <laughs> the other so, thing too is like I smoke so, such a little flower that it hits me so differently. It, oh, like, does it? Yeah, like I can smoke dabs like a chimney and like get through my day, but like if I smoke flower, it's like I just want to take a nap. Yeah, it gets me stuck. Uh, I've heard so many different things or so many different uh, so reactions weird. to it, and people say it just doesn't get me high anymore. Yeah, it's like, also like a lung thing for me because I don't have the I don't have the best like respiratory uh, pathways, so like. <laughs> I got to be real selective about what I'm going to put on and uh, what I'm going to smoke gonna through. Him? Nope. Right, yeah. yeah, no. I have, some, oh, have you ever heard of Rick Roller? Yeah, Rick yeah, Rollies? yeah. He rolls some fatties. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're awesome. But the thing is, so is they contain the dry concentrates. And me, I've, I don't have any respiratory issues like that. But they kill my chest because it's the dry concentrates. They get me baked. Don't get me wrong. They're beautifully rolled. There's nothing wrong with them. Just for me, they are so much hit. Yeah, and that's the a lot one, of smoke. It's like that's those are one thing. Like, and I'm not really a joint guy either. Carrie can attest yeah, to I don't smoke right. a lot of flour. I try to like more so when it's communal. Like no, you're like more this. into hash. No, yeah. yeah, that's your thing. But I was smoking some brick rollers last <laughs> night in between. When we were oh, you are? Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> oh, man. I was like, why? You know, I was so lit without a doubt. But it was hitting me right in that chest. And I couldn't yeah. stop that cough for a little bit, so... But yeah, shout out to Gross. Gross said Portland and uh, and Big Turp, <laughs> Big Turp from Care Cannabis Co. What an awesome night last Hell night. So yeah, that was yeah, that was fun. Was good. But so I guess we should hop right into it too. Talk. Can you just tell us a little bit about you, Adam, and Mission Hill Melts, and yep. what you guys? What you know? Like, I don't want to say your mission statement. Mission Hill Melts mission statement, <laughs> but. Something, uh, just uh, who are you, and who is your? What is your company, and what do you yep. guys strive to do? Yep. So, um, I started Mission Hill Melts. Almost five years ago. It's going to be five years in April, we're going to call it. Um, but, yeah, so I'm originally from New York. I moved up to Boston in 2012 for college. I went to Northeastern. Uh, I've been smoking weed for a long time. I started smoking the night before my freshman year of high school. So I've got over a decade of smoke under mm-hmm, my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been real big on, like, the new things coming out when I was – in high school, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. It's kind of like where I got most of my early knowledge. Watched a lot of um, CCC 420, a lot of um, the Weed Report. Just like people in like legal states, like smoking on cool things. Uh, the CCC 420 though were the first dudes who would really showcase concentrates, um, and concentrates were always the holy grail. Like growing up in New York, we never saw actual dabbable concentrates. We'd see like bubble hash and like pressed hash from like you know yeah, and right. by pressed hash too just so people know it's not, it's not like the actual pressed hash into rosin it's just no yeah it's literally like, brick hash yeah. so mm-hmm. you know i always i always had an affinity for concentrates i've seen it on youtube and then i'm went through, through high school went to college i met a bunch of people i networked to try to you know get concentrates i could get you know small amounts here and there and then um the real game changer was when i got an internship in la in 2015 so I moved out to LA in 2015, working in a restaurant, making dirt money, but I was just happy to be out there and got my weed card and was going to all the dispensaries. And then right around like March or April of 2015 was when Rosin dropped, like Soil Grown posted on Instagram. And I was like, damn, like this is crazy because like now I can make concentrates essentially.
So I started squishing. Yeah, so I started squishing in Cali. It was great. I had so much access. I met a lot of people out there. You know, I got to try like everything that was on the market. And then I came back in the summer and I lost all those connections. And there's no concentrates in Boston in like 2015 unless you like know people. Um, but I still like knew how to squish a little bit with my hair straightener. So um, we just buy flour. My buddy Brett, uh, 207 Farms, who lives up here, he lived uh, an apartment above me when I first moved up to Mission Hill. And I met him when we first moved in. He was growing a little bit of weed upstairs, and he started, you know, hooking me up with flour, and I would squish that flour, and that's kind of where Mission Hill Melt started, was a Parker Hill Avenue uh, apartment, just squishing nugs on a hair straightener for myself. And you alluded to it earlier, going up flights of stairs. Am yeah. I right in thinking that? Yeah. With everything uh, there you was, needed. That was a different time. The flour rods, <laughs> I, was, I was literally, would, I would buy an ounce of weed, and squish a gram or two and see if it would yield enough to squish the whole ounce and then... You know what's, it's, what's really amazing with this is we're not talking 2005 or 2010. We're talking 2015. Like yeah, as of it doesn't eight, seem that was, long ago. No, when we doesn't. started and kind of got into it, when I got into concentrates and rosin, I thought I was like a rookie to the whole rosin thing, but little did I know everyone was a rookie to the rosin yeah. thing at that point. And it wasn't like, just this whole, oh, wow, you know, I just got into it. It was just the first I heard of it because I think that was the first anyone else had heard about it too. This was right around 2016, you know, so that was yeah. right after, you know, it kind of came out and that's when I, I started to hear of a lot of the big names in, in Maine that have emerged themselves like Hot and Heady Teddy, Suds and Buds, a lot of those guys that kind of were really good and right on it with the whole Instagram. And then yep. that's later on when, when you came up too as I ended up hearing about Mission Hill. That was more through um, a couple like subsidiaries of people that I know that yeah, have your product sure. and that have used them and that I had great things to say, so. But yeah, we, we started real small. I mean, I was basically just squishing for myself for the first, like, six months to a year. I mean, it was like my friends who knew me and, like, from college would see me, like, literally, like, squishing half-gram nuggets for a full ounce, so 48 squishes, like, almost, like, and uh, it would, they'd be like, this is crazy, like, this is not viable, like, you're, you know, wasting your time, and I'm just like, I know this sucks right now, but I know at some point it'll get better, and I just kind of stayed with it and uh, kept getting good flour. And eventually, you know, like I went from the hair straightener to like a Harbor Freight ten ton press, and then I broke that and went to a twenty ton. Right. kept kept getting bigger, and you know, meeting people, meeting. And people those are real. those are big presses. Just so people know, they're not that twenty ton Harbor Freight press is not like a tabletop. Press. Yeah, no, they're You're big talking boys. Like a big they're press full, that like, we carry. Stand up units. Yeah. yeah. So and that, that stand-up unit was living in my, like, you know, like, 8 by 10 like, tiny room in Mission Hill <laughs> right across from where I slept. When and did when did Mission Hill Melts develop? Like, when did you actually start branding yourself as Mission Hill Melts? Was it so right off the grip? Pretty much. So once I started once I started making enough that I could share with other people, because it's originally it was literally just, I need to dab, I need to make dabs. Yeah, I all can't for yourself. Find dabs. Yeah, you and then once I had enough where I could, like, you know, my friends would always ask, like, can I buy some of this? And I'm just like, I don't really have that much. And then once I had enough, I basically made the brand. I remember, I mean, because, like, I think Moonshine Melts was was going when I was in Cali, and I really liked, like, just the way it rolled off the tongue. And I was like, well, I live on Mission Hill, and I'm trying to make solventless products, so Mission Hill Melts sounded cool. And then uh, I don't have any design experience, but I knew the logo kind of in my head. Yeah. Uh, so I did it on PowerPoint, and it was, like, lopsided and, like, not symmetrical, and I like, <laughs> sent it to my buddy. 
I was like, hey, like, I'm trying to make this logo. Like, can you kind of like... Just clean it up for clean me. Clean it up. And uh, I went to like an architect studio supply store and I bought like tiny little envelopes and I printed out stickers and cut them myself and put them on those. So if anybody has those white envelopes still, that's like your real day one. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, back then it was all about the coin envelope packaging. So we switched up to the, you know, metallic. Yeah, that's how I Black and then the silver and then moved up to jars and... So even so from 2015 to uh, another amazing thing, I feel like just specifically more so about the hash industry is how driven it is by like climbing the rungs of the ladder. It's very few and far between. Do you see like people just hopping right in and doing full investments? Although now, so it's becoming more popular because it it is a five year. We've been doing this for five years now. But, you know, the OGs and the people that have the respect, it's like they have earned that because they have, they started with the hair straightener, then they started lugging, you know, they were lugging ice and water up into their, you know, studio apartments. They weren't doing these full lab setups. It took a lot to get there, which I feel like nowadays it's hard for people to realize what it takes to become, you know, they want to buy, they want to spend $1,000 on the bag or $3,000 on the the stuff. You know, they have the money, but they don't realize how much it's taken as far as like the back work, the R&D that you need to actually do. Yeah. And I was still in college this whole time, so I was either... What were you going to school for? Uh, I was studying business. Oh, you were? So I, I wanted to do did you culinary finish? school. I did finish. My parents would Not My like parents you. would have killed me if I didn't finish. <laughs> uh, shouts out to mom and dad. Love you guys. Um, I thought I was going to do culinary-related stuff. I worked in kitchens since I was a junior in high school. And I thought I was going to, like, own businesses. and That's why it was easy enough when you went to Cali. You said you uh, worked in a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. So I got, you could I get, get a gig anywhere. And yeah. Would you also say that you're kind of a self-proclaimed foodie? I don't know your Yeah, I was definitely into food before I started cooking. My parents were always good with, like, bringing us to places and making us try things that mm-hmm. we didn't necessarily want to try and then learned we liked. But so the kitchen was my first real, um, you know, path. And then I worked in a three Michelin star restaurant for an internship over the summer. And yeah. It was the it was awful. It was <laughs> yeah, instantly a hundred hours a week. I was exhausted. It was like I wasn't even getting paid for that. That was just like on my own time type shit. And an I was internship, like, yeah. Sort of? yeah. I right. was like, this is terrible. Like this is as good as it gets. Like this is literally like top twenty five restaurants in the world. I'm like, it's yeah, I'm no miserable. I think a lot of people have a misconception on when it comes to the food industry and like being a chef. My aunt was a chef. She owned a couple restaurants and like she got out of that and went more so into like. Uh, administrative work yeah into like you know hospitals their their food and beverage programs and Definitely. stuff like that and the reason was that she just said the burnout was crazy the you're working real. so much the burnout's real and i i was working since i was 16 and then that um that trip must have been 2016 that i went on when i went to europe and that was that was the turning point because before then the melts was personal stuff in my spare time for my head mostly and I went on that trip. I brought oil with me to, to London and then to Amsterdam and Barcelona. And um, I was just, I just remember being up one night because, you know, it would take me an hour to get to work. And then I'd work for like, you know, 10, 12 hours. And I just, I got home and I'm just exhausted. I'm like, what am I doing this for? Like, this is crazy. Like, none of these people live good lives. Like, even in their best scenario, they're still going to work really, really, really hard and like not make crazy money. And I was just like, I brought dabs with me because I'm, smoking everywhere I go. I'm taking dabs in my London dorm room, basically. And I was just like, this is crazy. And then I worked my month, and then I took two weeks off for, like, vacation, went to Amsterdam, smoked 
legal weed there, which was cool. Yeah. And then I went to Barcelona, which has all these weed clubs. And I went to the the Plug Barcelona, which was uh, being run by Team 10 Extracts at the time. And he was a dude who I looked up to. He was, like, the one international guy, like, making crazy oil. He'd come to the U.S. and, like, collab with people. And he just happened to work out where they opened that shop the first day I was in Barcelona. And I had some sort of following on Instagram, so I DM'd them. They gave me the info, and I went. Oh, so you have to like you can't just go ahead and pull up to these clubs. It's like a know someone to get in. Type yeah, thing. you definitely have to have some sort of like invite. There's some sort of like pre-screening process. So like I've been talking to some of the people from there, so they kind of knew who I was. So they gave me the info. I think you can just get the address on Google Maps, but they still might not let you in unless Where you is, have. And this is in Barcelona. This is in Barcelona, and they still exist. Still exist. Oh, yeah. They're thriving. I've, it's um, sick. Just recently, uh, friended or a few of them friended uh, me. Maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's because of different interests. It was shortly after we had a, a little party here once, three or four of them popped up, and a it's few thriving. More. They got hash, they got concentrates. I, What's I, the level? What's the level of the product out there? Are they it was are good. they it independently was really grown, or is it kind of like a state? No, it's definitely so. That <laughs> the whole thing in in Barcelona is that like it's all private member members only clubs. That mm-hmm. basically, to my understanding, the laws are. Anything that happens behind closed doors is whatever you're doing, as long as it's not like a, a threat, full criminal enterprise, yeah, sure. and open to the public. It was really, really professional when I went there, though. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I went there. It was in a really quiet, like almost like a residential area. You kind of walk up, and there's like a really nice, like metal plaque that just said the plug. You like press a buzzer. You walked into like a little holding room with like a guy, and you'd check your info. And the way they worked it is that you'd have like an RFID tag, and you would walk in they didn't plant it in the back of your neck yeah exactly so you'd walk in with this like tag that you'd keep and you'd pay a girl would come up to you and be like do you want to fill your account up and how much like euros do you want to put in so you'd be like i'm gonna put 100 euros in for you know concentrates flour food whatever they have she's cool she takes your money loads up your your card your like token Mm -hmm. then you go to like their actual like like flour and concentrate area and you're looking at what they have and you're like, all right, I'm going to take a gram of just that. Just somewhat of an open, of open display. Yep, just like, it's not like a retail sense. Kind of like if you walk into like a dispensary like in Cali. Like, you know, they, they have jars out and they have yeah. the concentrates out. And <coughs> you tell them what you want and they'd swipe your, your little token and it would just all be digital from that, aside from that first kind of money handoff. And then they had nice tables and stuff down there and you could hang out, sesh. You know, you're not really supposed to like take things with you necessarily. Um, You're supposed to smoke it there. Yeah, for the most part. You're definitely not supposed to smoke, like, in public at all. It's all, like, in the comfort of your own home. It's cool. Do they have, like, a uh, like a rigs and everything? Are they pretty? Yeah, they had rigs and everything. I, I had my own rig, but... So you brought yours with you. They were cool with you bringing it in and <coughs> yeah, stuff? Yeah, definitely. And what year was this that you went? That was... I think it was 2016. And it was cool because because it was the opening, there was all their boys from the UK were in. So, like, dudes from, you know, like, Wales and London and... I think some Scottish dudes were there. So it was cool because I was in Barcelona smoking weed with a bunch of, like, English guys, like, mm-hmm. yeah. talking stuff. And yeah. I had Purple Chem Flower Rosin at the time, and everyone was hyped on it because it was super gassy. It was, like, flower rosin, solventless, wasn't really out there how'd quite you have yet. The, how'd you have the balls to bring it with you over there? Um, I mean, that, so we're the talking. Real, the real story was originally I was 16. just going to bring – I was just originally going to bring vape pens, and then – I was like, all right, well, if I'm only going to bring vape pens, I should try to only smoke vape pens for a day and just to see if I can do it. And it just, like, it, it was not yeah, working you out. It out or, you figured it out. So right. I, bought a, I bought a rig that is, like, about the same size and width as, like, a Coke can. So it's pretty inconspicuous looking. You know, it's just a cylinder with a kind of, like, a joint coming right off of it. And I threw it in my luggage, and I th- 
hid my turps and my toiletries and my pants and whatnot. And <laughs> had a little panic attack when I was going Where were through. you landing? In, Lon- in London? Yeah, it was from, right. that was from... <laughs> They're not easy either. I want to say that was from New York to, to London, yeah. Right. I'm a They're not white college-age male, though, so they smile and let me through, no problems. But yeah, yeah it was definitely sketchy. I would not recommend that. No. Do not commit... International drug smuggling crimes. <laughs> was it more? So, it's not, is it the rig or was it the? I brought like seven grams of oil with me. I was not going dry when I was out there. Did you right. end up sharing some of that? Yeah. So um, on my truck, because so Amsterdam concentrates are like very frowned upon. You're not allowed to produce them, but I had them. So you could go to places and they would have rigs out, but they don't have concentrates. So mm. it's kind of weird. I would like walk into a place and I'd be like, "That's a very nice rig." Like is it cool if I can use that? And they're like, well, like, there's no concentrates here. I'm like, I have my own concentrates. And then, then, then they'd be like, oh, of course. Like, what do you have? And then, like, but mostly in Barcelona. So it's only right to share it. So you just literally threw your concentrates right in your, right in your bag and was like, yeah, I'm doing Yeah, this. check bag. I kept everything vac sealed. Mm-hmm. And for good measure, that purple chem stinks. Hmm. Like, I remember when I cracked it in my dorm room and that purple chem was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, right. Immediately went and got air freshener, like threw it in my fridge, my mini fridge. I was like, damn, this is loud. Yeah, because once you open that up, there was Ooh. no closing that vibe. Ooh, yeah, it was terpy. You, uh, so you had some of their, their hash and different products like that. Yeah, they were mostly doing BHO. They but were. I remember giving the Team 10 homie um, the purple cam and his eyes lit up and he was like, this is fire. And yeah. Like, that was really dope. That was like, kind of gave me the like, Little bit of push. I was like, "This is the first time that, that a, it gave you some legitimacy." Somebody outside too, honestly, of yeah. your group, yeah, pretty much. It was the first time, like, yeah, some, someone who group. like I really like admired, like I gave hash to, and they were like, "This is dope." And that was even flower rosin that had been in my hot bag for like a month and a half. So I guess I this fire, this goes know? into something else I want to ask you. What do you prefer? Are you a rosin person or are you yeah. a melt person? So. Like, and they're not like full melt, like you know, like a really yeah, high quality. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, so, nine times out of ten, I prefer to smoke rosin, and that is just because it's easier to dab, it's easier to clean, and it's just you know it's user friendly. I love smoking melt, but I need to have some time on my hands. I need to have tools. Like you can't smoke bubble hash on the go. And you said too, you were saying earlier how you almost think that smoking that type of hash, which is a bubble melt, full melt. We're talking 91, 20 you for the most yeah. part. You said that that is almost like an art form from the sense of, you know, yeah. dab, creating the It doesn't dab always, like, the, you know, 90 you is not all, like, not all 90 you's are created equal, so especially when you get something that's really dabbable, but, yeah, you just have to take care when you dab mm-hmm. bubble hash. Like, I have, you know, I have to have parchment. I have to have my little hash stamp because I like to flag it out a specific way. You got to have some sort of tool to tell your nail temperature because... The timers just aren't going to cut it on bubble hash. Like, what do you do? You mind me asking? What do you use for the temp? Do you use like a tabletop temp gun? Do you use a handheld one, or do you Um, use like the turpometer? I have an off-brand temp tech. So one of like the table tabletop infrared. I've I've seen some of those. I think from Seven Ten Print. Yeah, stuff um, like that. Pelly nails, Pelly something. Yeah, Pelly Saver. I think they do a three D printed one. Pelly Savers is cool because you can set a temperature and it'll beep when it hits it. Mm. But theirs are super hard to get. They basically do, like, Supreme drops, and they're like, we dropped 10 of them, and then, like, they sell out, and then they're like, all right, like, wait for a couple see you months. In, yeah, see you in four months. You're <laughs> like, are you serious? Ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really holding out for one of those because I do like being able to set the temp because that's the one thing. The timers are nice because it beeps and it lets you know you're ready. But you forget it. But you yeah. can forget, yeah. like, to so have, like, easily. a nice audio cue to be like, 
Your dab's ready. Yeah. <laughs> Take your dab. What do you, well, now that I have you on the topic of accessories, what do you think of inserts? As far as like, and what do you like? I've seen some Adapt Tech Ruby yeah. ones. They retail for six hundred and thirty dollars. They are a lot of money. Do you, you think it's worth six hundred and thirty dollars? No. Well, so no, I have a lot of friends who use them and they love them, and it definitely will prolong the life of your actual banger. But it's so much work. Like, I got some for for free just to try out and just like. The heat up time, figuring out that kind of like heat up cool down when to drop it is weird. Um, you have to like have tweezers and a ISO bath, and then you gotta wipe it down afterwards. It's just a lot of work for me. I'm just trying to take my dab. The other thing is like for me especially, like I have sort of weaker lungs. Like my dad has asthma. I definitely have some some light asthma. When I hit dabs out of the inserts, you're taking a really low temp and it's slowly going up. So that first dab is like all terps, and that just locks me up mm-hmm. every single time because mm-hmm. you're just smoking terps, and yeah, that right. just triggers my like asthma essentially. I've noticed like the more terpier strains too for me like really tickle my lungs. I guess I could yep. say, and especially like if you think about it, like the insert is you're starting low and you're going up progressively. When you take a dab off of a regular nail, you're starting at its highest temp. And then a, a progressively accounting for it dropping once mm-hmm. the nail hits. It's some sort of like. Yeah. So I prefer just your standard warm hit. I, I even take hits probably slightly warmer than most people do because I just the the low temp ones will really choke me up. So part of the R and D that you ha- would have to do, you work with a lot of other farms yep. to to help you with uh, obtaining the kind of products that you're looking for to use to wash. Definitely. But you have to do the R and D in the final like yep. what's this process coming through like. So strains that you've uh, enjoyed and strains that you haven't necessarily from a personal. Definitely. But yet have played on a bigger market. Are there a couple of those to share? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. First, I want to say shouts out to the farmers Mm because without them, we wouldn't really be doing a whole lot. We definitely grow some of our flour, but the majority of uh, the things that we do are from the good homies who... Are you comfortable giving any, giving any shout outs? Oh, yeah. Um, Melting Trees homies, the Medicated Manor, they keep us busy. Um... My homie EG710, he keeps us busy. He does the Purple Punch and GMO. I Sweat Terps has been a, a newer seen, homie. Yeah, I've seen that. He's uh, been shout crushing that out quite a bit. it. He's been keeping us busy. He's uh, Strawn Anna, GMO, Wedding Cake, all of them just like slay. Beautiful, mm-hmm. you, beautiful. You have home. an opportunity to influence some of what they grow? Or is it that kind of collab? So, <clears throat> yes and no. Like, for instance, like I Sweat Terps pretty much had a stable of genetics when he came to us. And, and good ones that you to, like, too. worked out. Yeah. Right. Like he had the starting of the GMO, the wedding cake, which are all. I feel like any cultures. extractor, though, correct me if I'm wrong, is obviously for the most part, if they if they the relationship between the extractor and the cultivator is good, even if they are separate entities, there's always some respect level for when an extractor says, "Hey, yeah. you know, I I think they know the growing skill of the cultivator. They feel comfortable making the recommendation of, "Hey, I think you should check out this strain. I've been yeah. hearing it's going to yield it's a well. Benefit for everybody, and, yeah, because yeah. and mm-hmm. a lot of times too, the, the cultivator is going to take that into note. They they may search out and go ahead and try to find that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely try to pass on as much info as I can to them. They're, everyone we work with is super receptive to any sort of, like, input we give them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, like, you know, uh, water hash is all about surface area, so if someone doesn't break down their nugs as well as they could, yeah, right. we'll, we'll let them know, like, hey, like, you know, there's trichomes in the middle that aren't getting isolated. Like, you got to break your stuff down more, and they'll be like, all right, no problem, and they'll 
Bust it down. Your photos of the uh, product I've noticed on Instagram are definitely, you see the size of that. I mean, right. it's extremely, it's popcorn-y, I mean, broken yeah. down. And you know it's and, not growing But you also way. see that the, it's been sorted through by hand. Yeah, I feel like sometimes some people are doing an over-prep. Well, obviously, they can overhandle. That can happen. But I sure. too, I, what do you think about people that are trimming sugar leaves? Because then it, it's their yeah, chlorophyll so that's, that's yeah, leaking right. out. That's like, like a, in, that's like a more recent change we we basically try not to cut any actual plant material because the thought process is now um, you're leaking. Yeah, the chlor. Basically, once the once it defrosts, you're gonna have the chlorophyll. It's just gonna leach out mm-hmm. into the water, and then once it's in the water, you're gonna scoop your hash with it, and then you'll freeze dry it, and you'll remove the water. But those chlorophyll bits that were in the water are gonna still stay in your hash. Mm-hmm. I think I think you really notice that on later pulls of full spec when you get a real late pull of full spec that's been handled poorly, like real cut up, it'll be green. It'll like not name, name not necessarily color wise, but taste wise, you know, mm-hmm. like it'll oh, taste yeah. planty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who tend to avoid that, their full spec will be delicious all the way through. So in like, you know, we changed some things up like at RI's finest gardens where I do some work at, you know, they, they've changed up their harvesting techniques. They do smaller than they used to less cutting of actual like leaves. They're, we actually store our fresh frozen in um, plastic like Tupperware bins instead of like turkey bags. So, are you trying to? Someone, someone else was um, going through the process of how they said they want it. it. I believe it was Suds. He said that when you freeze it, he doesn't like it to freeze in a block. He wants it to oh, freeze yeah, right. a little bit more free Very form. Much yeah, up. so that's like, yeah. and that seems like what you're getting at too. Exactly. Like um, you've probably seen me post pictures on Instagram of it from the RI's finest drops, but. Um, switching over from turkey bags to these bins has been uh, really nice, especially like when you have a full freezer material, the flour you have on the bottom is obviously going to get crushed by the weight of everything above it. Yeah, right. So this kind of like eliminates that. Oh, Um, that's interesting. It's not shaping it any longer. So yeah, when when I open my bins, they are still light and fluffy. The nugs are individual. Compared to that, if you throw everything in a turkey bag, it's all pushing and moving even if you like leave some air in it you know it's still not going to be as is that a practice that you guys have uh, caught on to uh, kind of an in-house type of thing or or did, did you see this reference i've seen else, no so else? i did see that an, uh, somewhere else um a lot of 710 labs is some a group that i look to mm-hmm. for a lot of my stuff i heard I mean, a lot of good things i'm very here. lucky one of my best friends from high school who like we kind of like started similar things at the same time he was in Colorado. I was out here. He got an internship at Essential Extracts back in the day and then 710 Labs. So when I was starting up, I would ask him a lot of questions just about, you know, general stuff. And then once I got older, you know, I went to go visit him and got to, like, tour some of their facilities. So just talking to them, definitely, you know, they're seeing their fresh frozen storage, like, blew my mind. It mm-hmm. was so clean. It was so organized. And mm-hmm. those bins are just, like, they really care about their flour. Yep. And like they're harvesting and everything, and that was something that was like, you know, it's a small thing. It's like, oh yeah, like if you want to make good hash, you got to really baby your flour to some degree. But seeing like them doing it on like full scale was Did like. They uh, share with you how long they've been doing it that style. Uh, the adoption, not only the Tupperware, but you had talked about how you don't like to break down a plant any longer. 
but that wasn't necessarily the case a short period of time ago, and there are still people who do have that inclusion. Well, let's, let's clarify. You do like to break down the nugs. Yes, It's sure. more so you don't like to cut or, yeah. pr- or yeah, right. break so the, the stem. You don't want to break into that basically stem Basically, when I'm, when I'm I mean, manicuring for fresh frozen, if you have, like, a cola, like, most lowers are perfectly sized for washing. You don't have to do yeah, right. lowers. When you get those, like, top nugs that are nice and dense, basically just, like, you know, you cut it from the stem, and you just kind of go up like a spiral, like just like how the nug forms. You just go up. It's not like cutting it off the stem isn't the problem. It's cutting plant material that has the right. chlorophyll. Mm-hmm. Cutting the stem it doesn't really matter. It's like, the leaf. It's, it's cutting the leaf, the leaf and the small yeah. stem between the leaf and the plant that you really you just kind of want to leave all that intact. Down in uh, Rhode Island, it's a little bit of shifting gears, but I was thinking about how up here we're still dealing with plant count, nor yeah. uh, because it's more economically it mm-hmm. makes sense to grow that way. On maybe three to six months, so it's going to change up here where the option could be just square footage of the space. Nice. What's what's it like down in uh, Rhode Island? I believe Island? it's. I got to follow up on that. I'm too. honestly not entirely sure how it works because Rhode Island is a dumpster fire of legislation. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it seems to be that way. They're they're always trying if to you change want to elaborate things. On they're that always too, trying just to, to give us a little insight yeah, on what's well, going on in Rhode Island. I mean, so I've been working <laughs> in Rhode Island for about a year at this point, a little longer. And during my time, there's been fears of concentrates being banned. There's been fears of branding not being allowed. There have been talks about changing the way they do testing. Branding? What do you mean by branding not being allowed? Like they want it to be so labeled like... Hill Mills. So yeah, basically... They want to be white label? labeled like a Pretty much. Basically, like the, the compassion centers, I think, are worried that their sales aren't doing as well because they're licensed cultivators who are taking the time to like brand themselves. So they want to like try to level the playing field. But it just doesn't even seem like doesn't seem legal it's like you can't just like talk about like that's like like yeah socialism or like it's maybe really, communism I, it's, it's, Rhode Island does a lot of not like allowing people to brand their own business like i'm not sure how of, true that branding one is i have one homie who tells me about that but the most recent thing that we fought or are currently fighting is um there's only three compassion centers that are like your retail outlets for patients mm-hmm. and they thusly have like a pretty tight grip on prices because oh yeah right you can't really right. negotiate Entirely. yeah so we experienced that a little bit up here before yeah. the caregivers and there meanwhile there's like thirty licensed years, cultivators who can only grow and can't retail so they rely on the compassion centers to to move their product essentially meanwhile the compassion centers usually also grow themselves so to try to level the playing field the compassion centers have been calling for. Or I'm sorry, the cultivators have been calling for more compassion centers, so more retail outlets to yeah. give who will take their products. Yeah, to I mean, I honestly feel like they already have the relationship where they're taking their products, but they just want representation. Though I just well, don't get why they, it always seems like there's an overrate. The people, people like in the government believe that overregulation is the answer. Why I think like. Free market capitalism is the best way for people to decide. Like, yeah. if there's open competition, everyone's going to strive to be the best. People are going to strive not to use pesticides because they don't want to be exposed. And God forbid they are, their, their reputation is going to be done. Because mm-hmm. now you think about these companies, the compassion centers, even if they were to get busted, say, using some pesticides, what's going to happen? They get slapped with a fine, and they're still one of the three places in that state you can yeah. go get product from. So yeah, the consumer right. really can't make a choice to go to the other two because maybe the other two are way out of the way. Yeah, yeah. geographically, you just yeah. cannot Thankfully, make it Thankfully, Rhode Island's very small, so nothing's like too, too far away. But it still stands like, up to the principle of Yeah, it. no, it's for sure. how an open market kind of can solve a lot of these issues as far as quality and consumer concerns because the, it competition breeds perfection. Not enough down there. There might be an oversaturation within a year up here. 
Yeah, it's you pretty. I, I mean, mean, and you got like Massachusetts is somewhere in the middle where there's a lot of mids and mm-hmm. people from out of state are really happy about it. But like, I don't know any real connoisseurs who go to legal Massachusetts dispensaries. No, no enough about. But friends. still, which kills me because yeah. I'm I'm not at, like you know when I go to other legal states like you know California or Colorado, I'm tickled to go to a storefront and pay money for nice quality licensed oh, yeah, product. Absolutely. But as it stands in Massachusetts, just there is no one producing good enough material to. That's the market. I would right. love to do some legal stuff in Massachusetts, um, but I'm not going to work with people who don't grow up to the quality. If do people think, go to a dispensary... Well, well, furthermore, we had a conversation a little prior to this, and you said that you, with, with your, you know, with the kind of the your niche in the community that you have, people know Mission Hill Melts. You went, you were trying to get a job at, in the legal market, yeah. and they said, well, we'd like to train you... Um, in CO2 extracting. Yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> it's been probably like a year and a half, two years since I first started like interviewing at places. Um, and yeah, the two places I interviewed in Massachusetts were just like, they weren't really, they didn't really understand what I was like saying to some degree. I'll never forget the first place I interviewed, I'm not going to name names, within like 15 minutes, they basically told me that they had just been bought by a bigger company, they cleared house, they had PM issues, they wanted me to run CO2, and I was like, whoa, wow. no thank you. Yeah, that's a that. lot to get hit thank with right away. And, yeah. then, and then I went to interview a dispensary yeah. where like a bunch of those people moved to, and that was a great looking facility. They had great flowers, they were running a bunch of archive gear, they had plenty of room for activity, but they just weren't really... They weren't really trying to give me that inch where I could give them the mile. Like they had a whole second floor warehouse undeveloped. Right. You could and you're like, dude, I just want 500 like, square dude, feet to make have, a washroom. Yeah, literally. I'm like, I can do so much with peanuts. And mm. I'll never forget, I was in their office and one of the older dudes who worked there looked at me sort of like scoffed and was like, how scalable is solventless? And I'm like, I can run more shit than your fucking CO2 machine can run in a day. <laughs> like if you give me the resources, like yeah, right. A lot of people think they know a lot of stuff and especially it's like the older white dudes who run the cannabis industry. who just have pockets and no knowledge really. So, so that really pissed me off. I was like, how scalable is it? Like I, I could, cr- I could crush your rooms if you gave me the freezers to do it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went down to Rhode Island to RI's Fine. And that's even with, not to interrupt, but that's even with hand washing. You are, you could. Yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. hand so, washing is that, scalable as fuck. And that means you would just hire more people to hand wash? Or uh, you, you, would, can, you can do larger batches. And if, like, yeah, if, if I really wanted to, if I had someone who was like, we have warehouses and we don't want to dry any of it and give you 100,000 wet grams a week, I could definitely make production schedules to hit those. Whew. Using the uh, paddle. Uh, technique instead is that about uh, just you're not agitating it but you're sort of just moving it well that's Am a I hand right washing no, yeah, the paddle yeah. technique is your hand washing technique yeah, so we, machine yeah. so we originally we were doing only hand washes for the first pull because our first pull 90 is like our premium mm-hmm. big quotation marks on premium mm-hmm. product <laughs> this is the level that separates itself. It's just what yeah. you want, the cream. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Cream. I'm not going to lie. The first Bull 90 is delightful. Yeah. The full spectrum. Most beautiful Bull 90 delightful. that you've had so far? The you most beautiful one. Um, well, that always wow. sticks Ooh. out. Yeah, it's just like boom right to the hot top. Yeah, yeah right there. The, the East Coast Sour D that we ran for the Commonwealth Cup, that was like Coke White and... That was actually a run <laughs> that we were Coke on the light? fence what? about. Just literally like Colombian fish scales. It looked like real hard drugs. But we were, that was from my no-till garden. It didn't yield crazy because we were still figuring out no-till. It didn't like, you know, 
to fill out, like stack as hard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't in the first few, does it? Yeah. So with no till. Yeah. No till is definitely a soil trip. adjustment. So I was looking at my buddy. I'm like, do we wash this? Do we just, because we have a homie who makes really nice live resin. Do we just get turned into live resin? I was like, hey, you know what? Back in the day when I was in SoCal, I smoked some sour D from Matt Rise and it was some of the best melt I ever smoked. Let's fucking throw it in water. We'll see what it does. If it doesn't do anything, then we'll never do that again. And it yielded, like, I think about 4%, which is pretty solid. I thought it was going to do dirt. That's on the wet, right? That's on the wet weight, Okay, yeah. yeah. Just want to make sure. Um, did well. It was super greasy. It stank. Came in first place. It was, like, some of the most... I'm most proud of that resin. I still have a gram of the melt stashed in my freezer. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Rice, too. The CBD capsules that he has, too. I, I believe yeah. they're full-spectrum mm-hmm. one. That's some of the best, I think, CBD capsules that yeah, you can get on the market. Yeah, he's been killing it. I, I used to go to the weed in Studio City, as I said. I used to grab his ice wax. That was like some of the most expensive concentrate I've ever purchased, but I would gladly pay that price any day of the week for his stuff. His juice roll-ups, he did like organic, natural fruit leathers infused with bubble hash. Oh, God. And I kid you not, dude, there was no edibles that have smacked me harder. Yeah. I ate one of them on my way back from the weed. It's like a 45-hour commute from where I lived. From The weed is in like North Hollywood. I live kind of by like where USC is, South Central area. And I remember getting halfway home, like hopping off the bus and being like, whoa, them shits is strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, you had a chance to uh, be invited to the Ego Clash this past year. I, I was did. just pulling it up on my phone. Sorry, I, I couldn't remember no the name sweat. of it. Can you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that and Definitely. what it means to you? So I've been following the Ego Clash since it started because it's like, it's, been, there's it, a lot of kind of like, there are a few other similar events. There's something called Legends of Hash, which is usually in like Amsterdam and. Invite only hash heads, judging yeah, right. hash heads. So I've always kind of seen these events going on. I remember seeing the Ego Clash start up. I remember seeing the Ego Clash for the first time, I think, in Barcelona this past year. And being like, damn, that is like the coolest thing. It's literally just hash makers. Hanging, hanging out with, out hash, with makers. hash makers. Oh, yeah. Sounds the way it works is you get invited. I was invited to participate in the hash category, the bubble hash category. You bring 14 grams of bubble hash in a quilted four ounce mason jar everyone uses the same jars there's no logos there's nothing you give it to them they put a number on it bring it back you all sit down and you all collectively smoke all of the entries together damn and then rate everything judge everything score everything so it's like you got to enter to be the judge kind of like how the old secret cups used to be so you're not your your hash doesn't disappear and you go to some questionable people it's yeah you see everyone's jar you get your jar back at the end of the night, which is cool. Like, cause you're not, no one's smoking 14 grams of hash in a day. So we probably got, we probably got like nine, 10 grams of melt back after like 30 people took dabs out of it. Um, it was really it's cool. It's lighter hit. That's like, yeah. I mean, you also got to pace yourself. To. I took yeah, 31 sure. dabs in about a four and a half hour period. And I was <laughs> fucking <laughs> hurting by the end. That's yeah. impressive. Kind I of. Yeah. It was tough. I mean, they call it the battlefields where you're judging and it really felt like a battle. Like it was, at one point, I remember, like, I feel pretty good. My lungs are feeling pretty good. I've smoked a decent amount of hash, like, probably, like, halfway there. And I was, like, five, six entries, and I was, like, Jesus. Wow, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> it was. But uh, it? it was super cool. Did it's, you bring a proxy to, with you? So, okay, so that's part of the deal is you, you, get, uh, you get invited plus one. Oh, that's So cool. here's where it gets that's really cool. crazy. So the competition is at a vineyard. Oh, Everyone awesome. pulls up, you know, plenty of space. There's a big barn. First floor of the barn is just kind of like mingling. There's some like booths kind of set up. And then upstairs is just a big open room. And there's like 
on one end, there's uh, kind of tables and like a velvet rope. And then the middle area is free ground. And then there's another area, like a velvet rope kind of setup. And basically those two velvet rope areas were the, the solventless battlegrounds. So you had rosin on one end of the room and bubble hash on the other. And competitors couldn't leave the battleground until you finished <laughs> judging. So, so you can't even go take a piss? Yeah, there was one bathroom break halfway through. I shit you not. You got to time that right. I, this is I mean, crazy. if you really had to go to the bathroom, you could go. But for the most part, yeah, right. like, because they're really trying to, you got to smoke 31 grams. And they're basically, you're taking a dab, you're taking it, you're, and you're writing t- down your notes. 31 grams of, another jar. of full melt? Full melt. My banger was hurting at the end, yeah. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> my god! I think I, did your notes start to look the same after like say well, number seven? Yeah, I like this was, one. It was definitely <laughs> tough. It was definitely tough. I wish I wish that could be a two day event because yeah, right. I really like I really like eight hours to judge all that hash. Yeah. Well, it almost seems like it should actually be broken up into like two days morning night categories. So like morning night and then like another morning and then that night you find. Out I would the like results. I would like one day. The first day should just be straight business. It should be judging, but it should be like a twelve hour judging. Like, and you get a little bit yeah. like like because that way you can sessions. you can like smoke because you can how think about it. you can go back to things if you wanted to because this was literally you had one dab and that was your that was it well yeah mm-hmm. but what do you it, there has to be a difference number thirty one not like it yeah one through four <laughs> so that's the problem too is like you know I'm giving I'm, I'm giving <laughs> votes on my first couple entries and then I smoked some real fire in like the twenties and I'm like you know that fucking early entry might not have been as good so I would have liked right. a little bit more time yep yeah to like go back it works and out I mean you know. The ones that won, I remembered, and I remember being More like, remarkable. these are really fire entries. I remember uh, the winner was Lemon Cane, which I think is like a new archive, uh, Lemon Peel, Slurricane Cross. Oh, it was like it was like tangy and grapes at the same time, and it melted super well, and it was clean. I was like, damn, this is wild. I remember yeah, that right. one. I remember the third place one, too, because I think it was one of the few very gassy strains. I think it was like THC Bomb or something it was really nice, though, because after smoking, like, eight papayas, a couple different, like, grapes and a couple different candies, <laughs> it's, like, gas. It's, like, really, like, you know. And that's it. normally that's normally what I lean to is more of, like, a, the gassier yeah. of the terps. Like I, like, I like a fair mix of both. I'm smoking fruit until, like, 6 o'clock, and then once nighttime comes and, like, I'm winding down, I'll switch over. But, like, if I smoke GMO in the morning, my day is ruined. It's just over. I'm gonna butcher this. See, I like the uphill battle. (laughs) The uphill battle. That's hilarious. So, do you like to grow? uh, Do you like the that selection of maybe a fruit in the front? I heard uh, Brian from Best Friends Farm uh, uh, allude to that. Best Friend Farms allude to the idea that uh, what he's searching out a little bit more lately has been a fruit forward. And what's the term that he used on the back? Like a gas on the back end. Do you remember? Fruit forward, gas undertone. I apologize, yeah, Brian, no, I for not you, remembering, but for, uh, you're looking I for the best that of both the, worlds, yeah, like right. a little like, like flavor and effect. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean. Is that kind of a trend you're seeing too, noticing right now? A little bit. It, it Personally, I usually like to keep fruit with fruit and gas with gas. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like how I, I like things that complement each other. I feel like when I was doing flower and we would do weird mixes like purple chemstron and it would be like, Weird. It's like these, these two yeah. things have like no godly being being together. Um, <laughs> but but sometimes, it. sometimes it does work out well. Like yeah. we did that pineapple dog, which is a 50-50 mix of snow dog, which is definitely more on the gassy side, and then um, HK Kush, which is like a straight pineapple turp. And you said that HK Kush is a pretty exclusive. Yeah, so it's a really old top dog seed pack. Oh, I'm gonna butcher the genetics now. I think it's. 
think it's Nigerian. <laughs> That's not helping. I think it's a Nigerian haze or a Nigerian Kush cross to original New York City diesel. It has nothing to do with either of the parents, though. It's like I got to try really funky pineapple sweet turp. Doesn't I got to try food. a New Jersey diesel from? Um, I believe it's New Jersey diesel. From Mega Raw in the form of a rosin, I have to say, as of this point, as I haven't gotten to try a lot of diesels, that is one of my favorite gassy strains that I've gotten to try as far as like hitting the gassy note. Shout out to him. That was the New Jersey. I tried to get my hands on some more. So I think I don't know what, what he's doing with it right now. I hope he pulls down some more because if mm-hmm. anyone's listening and you like gassy stuff, the New Jersey diesel, if you're debating on something from him, that's one to go try for sure. Yeah, gas strains are weird because a lot of times they're too greasy. They don't they don't really wash well. Like sour is kind of like an exception, but like OGs don't wash. Mm-hmm. Like you'll never see somebody wash an OG and be happy about it. Cookies don't really wash. Not well. happy about what it about because breath? of yield what, wise. Yield, oh, it's it's strictly yeah, the yield wise. The, the trichome structure just doesn't lend itself. Do you think there's ever going to hit a point in the near future where? Um, the desire, the market will be there for people where you can wash something, even for though it's sure. not going to. For sure. It obviously yeah. comes at a different price point. Well, I think it's it more to. so you, you, but to do that too, you have to be willing to charge a couple hundred dollars for a gram of rosin. Yeah, because if everything yeah. was to shit the bed and you're really trying to recover what it is, like if worst comes to worst, you say, I'm not even going to make money off it. I just need to recover. If you have a rich, extremely shitty yielding product yeah, people love it no but, I'm, but it goes to i guess let me finish is the point is is that it would have to be sold at places like your barcelona clubs or like those special yeah. membership clubs right. where you can expect someone to come that's going to be on like you're Fridays, not going to find this anyplace and they else know that, that like okay yes they're coming yep. to spend a couple hundred dollars on a gram and all their boys sit down at the table and enjoy something that's never going to be made again for the most part yeah those those will usually be passion projects like, for mm-hmm. instance, Skittles doesn't yield well. It's usually, like, sub 3%, which is 3% hurts, but you can make it work. Anything lower than that, it's pretty tough to make the numbers work out well. Mm-hmm. But I love that Skittles strip. And if I find anything that washes even close to 3%, I'll keep it, and I'll run it, and I'll wash it. None of you will ever see it, but I'll be <laughs> happy about it. Right. Um, Tangy's kind of similar. Like, that Trop Cookies wash is pretty well, but it doesn't, like, crush it's not like a gmo by any means but like compared to like if you try to wash tangy that orange that trop cookies is looking real good in mm. comparison yeah mm-hmm. yeah right that's yeah, we've, we've definitely, we've definitely washed TNGs. some things that we've taken losses on we bought some not a grower up in maine who I, I won't mention we bought some fresh frozen from him outright you know because his stuff looked really good big name still kicking around <laughs> brought it home we bought about two washes worth we did it all at once yielded Basically nothing. I think we got like 11 grams of finished product per wash. Oh, wow. So I think the numbers worked out to about 180 a gram cost. So we just like ate that because like we, I mean, I wouldn't even, the melt wasn't six star. So I couldn't sell the melt for like 100. We just like smoked it and spitefully sold it just to like get it out of our, you know, system. Yeah, right. You were very So that was a good learning experience. Don't yeah. buy a Sunset Sherbert sight unseen uh, without all the lights being used on it. It won't yield yellow. Uh, that hurt. That was one of the biggest L's we've took in, in washing, especially because we bought that material that was all ours. And then, uh, yeah, nothing was ever really done about that. <laughs> hey, this is a good point. Let's take a quick break. Sure. Yeah, let's take a turn. Yep. I gotta friggin' take a dab, too. Yeah. Rap battles, I saw MCs going at it. Crews playing new 
Records like arriving more static. From Frisco to Oakland, like Bronx to Manhattan. You know what's happening, charisma style of rapping. AOV, you know your man Quan, that's seven feet tall. He should drop the mic and pick up a basketball. I guess y'all, mad love to my crew. Everyone's real cool. All we wanna do is to be in a record pool. I guess y'all, this is my design to make my niggas rewind. Labels pull crimes, it's time for me to resign. The style's deep, even when we fall asleep. Dreaming of the usual, a rap beat. I got class with my mouth, so remember this. If you're not down, you're expelled off my premises. I come with bombs when the singer's loud hectic. I'm clean cut and suave, the appetite, man, I got that. So I let those peppers go for three, three weeks, four weeks, and they were, I think it was a really nice batch. It's nice, it's peppery, it's still acidic, and it'll taste kind of like there's vinegar in it, but it's just the natural like acid that forms from the fermentation process. What, uh, what do you think, uh, what do you like putting your hot sauce on your own creation? Well, so it's probably like, a lot of things. But. Yeah, this one specifically is great on pizza. Oh, no way. It's re- yeah, I really like that hot sauce on pizza. It's like a nice red one. Um, Good for a thick crust more than a thin. <laughs> I, like, I like the thinner ones. I'm usually yeah. on thin ones. It's great on chicken. Like if you're ever just like simple like chicken rice kind of dinner situation. What what a, eggs and stuff. We can, uh, Good on eggs. Yeah, definitely. My, my boy, the Melting Trees homie, sent me a video uh, this morning of him whipping it up the eggs with a healthy dose of hot sauce. I'll, uh, I'll you, you want another water? Yeah, please. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Evan, you said you want one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the food the food journey has been interesting because I've worked in a lot of like cool places and I really like I do love the restaurant industry, but it is such a terrible place to work. Well, I got a good friend of mine who was a sous chef in uh, New York. He, we traveled cross country together before. We lived out nice. in Cali for a little bit. Awesome. And then when we came back, he said, "I'm gonna go to New York pursue this culinary thing," and so he did. And he was doing it for. He ended up going to Europe and working in some restaurant. I want to say it was in Ireland or Scotland. I, I don't I can't recall, but he said it was one of those top ten. Yeah, in the world. for sure. And it was straight from the farm and it was about that region. But it was one of those where people all over the world. Yeah, I mean you gotta in. you gotta buy into that. That's a thing he too, is that like while, I drank the cool the only the Kool-Aid runs out. You're doing it for yourself. What are we doing for ourselves? Uh, when you're working in these like high level kitchens, you basically yeah. have to have a very clear end goal. Are we recording? You're working for somebody else, and you're working sixty to seventy hours Jeez. a week. All I have to say is end to tail in Portland, Maine. I went there last night. Best, best Korean barbecue, best Asian Ugh. food, best food in I've had in Portland. I mean, absolutely amazingly well done. It is some of the best food ever. End to tail. If you're in, you have like, for a meal. We had um, Korean spicy chicken. 
we had some type of rolls that it, I forget the name of it. Uh, Big Chirp would be able to help me out on this, but it was like a they, it was almost like a dough. It didn't even seem like cooked, but it was a dough with like the chicken on the inside, some scallions on the outside. There was some oh, wagyu like, like the bao buns. Bao buns. That's I think yeah. what it was. Yeah, there was some um, wagyu. We had, then we had some bimbao, which is like the the stone. Oh yeah, the bibimbap. Yep. Yep. Uh, I used to, so when I worked in LA, I worked in a Korean restaurant. Yeah. So oh, okay. No so there we go. So you're speaking we, my language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I miss LA dearly. So is there a thing you haven't done? Um. Yeah. Yeah. We're get, there's there's a few. <laughs> we gotta figure <laughs> that out. There's a few. What is it that you're actually hoping to do? Envisioning, um, envisioning the more next. legal stuff. I want to be. Yeah. Like, just how, like, 710 Labs, you got them in Colorado and uh, California. Like, I would really like to have my, my hand in just about every medical New England state, if physically possible. Um, but that's kind of tough, because, like, I'm, I'm only going to do it if it's people growing who I, like, people who grow and, like, have the same sort of, like, end goal that I have, which is definitely tough, mm-hmm. especially in Massachusetts right now, where it's a lot of mediocre product. But there's some, like... Rays of light. I know there's a. I saw some flower recently. I think it was the Heirloom Collective, is what they go by. Uh, looked like good flower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they get a nice, nice fair price for it too, which you like to hear. So. Have you heard of any other like entities in Bo- uh, not in Boston? I mean, in Boston, yeah, but in, in Massachusetts in particular that have stood out or other people I mean, that are doing I can tell it. You have you worked with North North Shore Boys? Are they growing in uh, Mass as well? I don't know. I haven't worked with them. I know like I know a couple of like legal companies who make solventless concentrates, but I'm have not been impressed with their products and most people DM me being like Anyone that you would recommend that maybe not be so legal but you've heard of? Um yeah, I mean I got if you ever see anything from um, something better, uh, independent extracts, those are two of my I, I like to consider them friends. I've known them for a while. They been doing it longer than I've been doing it, so they've kind of, you know, showed me things, given me chances to work with stuff. Um, they both do a lot of single source stuff too. I'm pretty sure. So anything that you can get from them, I can pretty much vouch that'll be clean and fire. Um, who else locally? It's usually like people like who I process for will also bring stuff that they've also tried. I know if you're in um, Rhode Island, Yellow Organics, they do some good live rosin. I've tried a couple flavors from uh, the Mammoth uh, dudes, pretty solid rosin as well. No one else in the Massachusetts area, though. Massachusetts area. Um, so the other thing too is like I'm not really sure what some some people like like labor <laughs> do business at. I know um, the homie Calvin did it. It's his Instagram. He does uh, he does some processing also for the homie I Sweat Terps. So I've got to try his run of like the same stuff. So it's kind of cool seeing how how different runs come out on different things. Like his GMO tasted kind of different than how our GMO. Mm-hmm. That can't be assumed at all from harvest to harvest. Uh, you're hoping uh, that the numbers, percentages, the, how the plant's going to react in the wash, <laughs> you're hoping that there's a consistency yeah. harvest to harvest. And but we, we do a good tough, job on keeping not? numbers. We have a nice yeah. spreadsheet going. That was another thing that 710 Labs really inspired me. Um, one of my friends who works there was really big on like setting up their whole kind of like setup and they're like, they are spreadsheet wizards. They got numbers on everything. It was, it blew my mind when they told me like how, how in depth they can go to on like their analytics. Well, everything's going to be, yeah, that's what, everything is going to be data driven. That's like your, yeah. your best. So I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm not, I, I was never great with sort of Excel or, you know, that I, I consider it kind of like accounting stuff. I've never been great with that. So I'm, 
trying to teach myself as best as I can. How's it coming along? It must. I mean, it's pretty I, good it's one of those. For, for kind of what I'm trying to do, like, Has which is to be basically a part just of that like, daily routine. Almost. Yeah, that's like, yeah, it's just sort of like getting into the swing. But I really like seeing, you know, how how things yield in melt, how things yield in rosin, how things yield comparatively. Um, in Rhode Island, I'm trying to get them better on tracking their harvests. So, like, going by how many fresh rosin grams are you averaging a plant? How how much? Does, you know, banana cream yield per harvest on average? How much melt does banana cream yield, you know, per plot type stuff? So I'm just trying to get those numbers better. And so, like, a lot of it is just, like, planning. You know, it's, like, if you know what yields well or if you know, like, how much space to devote to things, then when the harvest time comes, it just makes, you know, you're trying to maximize your output. Oh, so yeah. speaking of, like, analytics and things like that, something that goes into that is being able to tell, obviously, when you start – charting temperatures for cure and times for cures as far as what you're doing, you can start to determine how you're going to get each strain each time post-cure. What do you prefer, prefer like, for your, for your texture on the output of, like, when all is said and done, when you go from bubble hash and you press it, now you're to rosin, what do you prefer to cure? Okay, so that is interesting. It kind of, it's, a lot of times it's not really my call necessarily it's sort of like the rosin's call so for instance straw nana great beautiful fresh pressed rosin um the homie wanted us to turn it into wet batter straw nana is just a, a drier terpene profile so it didn't really the the way that we batter things it didn't really want to be it didn't really want to wet up it was kind of on the drier side a little more crumbly than i would personally like it to be obviously you want everything to be like wet and like soft and you know you can run your dabber through it this was yeah, a little right. drier but that's just sort of how the turp is yeah the actually other side like gmo when we do our cold cure there are literal turp puddles on the top yeah. of it mm -hmm. so it's just weird dosy too i mean that looked like fresh press i was ready to go in and get the pull and snap you know like the annoying yep. fresh press type thing but it, it it was just looked wet and it was yeah. like nice. It was it had an amazing type texture. That's it in was, that like in between. Yeah, sort of phase. it was really it was a, that was I was surprised by that and all. Honestly, yeah. it was pretty cool. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying because it is when you have that wet type of batter consistency. One is it not amazing for like the gram the yeah. the bag of people peel. people really do Eat like that the flex up. On I mean, that. it makes your mouth almost water as a connoisseur when you see a fat jar of hash with the yep. turp puddles and like the you know the turp layer yep. on top. But that can also be achieved sometimes through heat tech. And I want you to get a little bit into that because we had a little thing <laughs> you went on a tangent. I want you to go yeah. back on that again. And say, you know, repeat what you said because it does it has a little bit of logic behind it. So it's cool. Yeah. So I'm gonna start out by saying that our so cold cure once again large quotation marks around cold cure is the response to the jar tech which i would consider like a hot extraction um so yeah our jars usually are around 75 to 90 degrees a couple days let them sit if they do their thing if they want to get wet they'll get wet if they don't we'll pull them and just package them how they are um jar tech so my thoughts on jar tech are as a hash maker you take your plants, you try to harvest them as quickly as possible, delicately, put them in a freezer, wash them in ice and water. You're, you're basically going through extreme steps to make sure your product is exceptionally cold from the time it's harvested until it goes onto a rosin press. You know, we 
pull our trays in the the cooler. We sift in the cooler, you know, pack my bags. Basically, the only time those bags warm up is right before I squish them. So after going through all this immense work to keep my product as cold as possible, you want me to press at temperatures hotter than I normally would want to press at, put them in a jar, put it in an oven at temperatures that I cook food at, just so you can melt decarb your rosin to a weird semi-texture that'll facilitate crystals. And then at the end of all of this weird, unnecessary work, you're gonna get a product that looks cool and smells great, but in my personal experience, every jar tech thing that's you know looks super crystally always tastes like cardboard. Cause I feel like you push those terps out and that's why you smell it so much. Cause I think we can all agree that those jar tech jams and sauces, mm. they smell great. Oh yeah. You open the jar and it just hits you. Oh, it's a head. And I never have found the taste to match that smell. Yeah. So my whole thing is like, we try to, we try to minimize exposure to heat. I keep all of our product in refrigerators or freezers, depending on where it's going and how long it's going to sit. So yeah, it just seems like an excessive amount of heat to add to a very carefully tendered product. Right. But I guess, you know, in, in the I, pursuit of jams, though, too, they're probably looking for... They look amazing. They do. They, they really yeah, they, do. They, they flex well on the gram. I can't, oh, I can't yeah. deny you that. You look at the, the pool, and you, but it's just the awe. And some people, they it's, like, amazing just to see. But if you really understand it, the science behind it, or, well, I, I don't understand the whole science behind it, Jim Marcus. I'm yeah. trying to start okay. explaining. But <laughs> what it goes into it is pretty cool. Like, the, the where your mind goes when you see something like that, you're like, holy shit. What's going on? There's no chemicals involved. There's yeah, no, nothing. it's definitely it's cool that you can pull like, like no crystals. added chemicals, I should say. I mean, there's natural, you know, the, the bonds and stuff and everything sure. like that. But that's the other thing, plans, too, with that is, is just how, like, when I was saying my wet batter doesn't always get as wet as I want it. Right. A lot of strains just won't form those, like, mm -hmm. crazy crystals that you want to see. Have you been charting that? Is that something that oh, you try to keep data on? On the wet batter, I can kind of, I, that isn't something, I do have, like, wash notes that I keep. I should add, like, rosin notes, but I can, I can basically tell you. If I, like, looked at my, my spreadsheet and pulled it up and look at things, I could be like, that Mendo is wet, that Dosi is wet, that Stranan is dry, that Wedding Cake is, like, in between, um... The Sunday Driver HK Kush, those like all, I don't even have to do any tech to them. Yeah. I can coin them up, put them in jars, and they'll automatically turn wet. They just have such a nice terpene profile content. Speaking of, yeah, I was gonna say Sunday Driver. I I think I might have asked you about earlier. I just hadn't seen anybody. I've seen it produced by a lot of different cultivators up here, but I haven't seen it so much in a hash rod. I saw store. one person. Um, he used to go by Raised Resin. Now I think it's North Country Cannabis. If you're listening to this Raised Resin North Country Cannabis, hit us up. We'd love to get you on the podcast. <laughs> but um, I saw from him, and it looked beautiful. It was a fresh press. Uh, I don't think I ever got to try Actually, I might have got to try it from my buddy Tyler. I'll have to think back on it. But regardless, it wasn't anything that stuck into my memory right away because I think it wasn't anything I got to spend a lot of time with. Normally, yeah. I have to spend was more time driver? than just one dab with a strain. I can't really remember. But you've been able to play But it looked it, amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah we, have, do. Have we got a homie who has a very nice cut of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the Melting Trees homie, who's based, uh, they're in Maine. They do killer work. They uh, they grow basically entirely for concentrates. I don't. Yeah, I think they have a couple of strains that they keep just for flower because they really like, and I think they freeze about 
90, mm-hmm. 80 to 90% of all what they grow. Right. Um, There's such a savings for a cultivator not to have to go through a lot of the trim process. Yeah, as well. definitely. It cuts down. There's uh, definitely I'm late. not saying that's a huge, but it's, yeah. a, it's an impactful number. So while we're talking about other brands that support <clears> you and whatnot, who, who do you throw your support behind that you have no relation to as far as like what other hash smokers maybe? Uh, let's start out with the East Coast and then we'll go you know, nationwide, but Word. who so on the East Coast do you say, yes, I would support their hash. I think they're making some good stuff. On the East Coast, I mean, the R, the RI, anyone who's making hash in RI Medical has my respect, so shouts out to the the ELO dudes, the Mammoth dudes. I think there are a couple other people, but those are the ones who, mm-hmm. I, who I definitely see doing mm-hmm. similar things to us just because it's a tough system to work in. Um, my homie, something better. He makes he makes great hash. The independent extracts, homie, he's, he's he just had a kid, so he's kind of been busy with that but i've seen him recently putting out some melt that looks fire i hope i see some of that in my future um my buddy uh o toro i can't he just changed his company name i'm blanking out on right now it used to be living resin co yeah but he does uh he's been doing all solventless now he just switched over so he's been doing some great work uh he's been doing a lot of like gmo and some slurricane that looked nice does the tech that comes from like bho doing the process on that does it apply enough yes and no i mean it's like you have hopefully you like pick up good habits it's like like a retraining though yeah i think they're they're pretty much vastly different right like bho is a science (laughs) like there's science there's physics involved rosin is is pretty straightforward Let's not let's not get off track there. I want to know who else is there. Anyone okay, in yeah, Maine? Yeah, yeah. Anyone, in Maine? anyone in Maine? Anyone in Maine specifically? Oh, man, I'm definitely that you gonna might... offend somebody because no, no, forget. that's fine. I'm gonna Just forget. Some, the homie might... two hundred seven gardens. I'm pretty sure uh, he does air dried hash. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. We've, we've gotten him. We, we're gonna get him on. He said, "I'm not ready yet to tell my story," but he guaranteed he's like, you know what? If I ever um, do, yeah, this well, will ho- be the first hopefully this gives him that bump because I want to hear him talk more because he. I like I've made air dried hash one uh, no I've made air dried hash three times and the last time I made it was pretty good but it was such a bitch so anyone who actually like microplane stuff is like respect mm-hmm. not my cup of tea I have a lot of hash to get through I could never microplane all of the hash that right I have to go through <laughs> but who who up in Maine honestly God I don't have too many connects up here no. mm-hmm. so it's how about nationwide nationwide liking, wow I could tell you, you liking how much time do you stick have? Without excluding people, you seem to have some Colorado. Roots, yeah, the Colorado so. homies who I really like, Mile High Melts, my homies Sam and uh, TJ. Uh, I linked up with them at the Eagle Clash. I grabbed some Lemonati, and um, the Lemonati was delicious. I can't remember what the other one was. It was like a doughy gelato cross. Um, Seven Ten Labs in Colorado does great work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Palms does great work in Colorado, California. Um, American River Extracts met those dudes out in Cali. I've seen their stuff a lot. They make some of the most beautiful looking like rosin and melt, and it was cool. Like, have you ever tried any Blue River Terps? Um, s- yes. Back in the day, I used to grab the actual like terpenes when you can buy them online. I'm less excited about that stuff because it's so it's it's a little more removed from like actual like rosin and hash. Like they're with all due respect to like Tony and Blue River, it's like they're a little more corporate and like big businessy, and they do a lot of strange f- terp fractions. And they do really like they're really secretive about their methods. And they like, have some. Re- they're on some like next level. Tech yeah, though, and it's, it's cool. Like done like through. Oh, I mean, oh, they like, they entered stuff into the Eagle Clash. I don't. I don't 
think they place. It's it's cool. I respect them, but I'm more about like the small homies doing like like the American River Extracts. You know, they're kind of similar to us. They're a small batch. They're they do a lot more single source than we do, but like their papaya was smacking mm. when like when like we were chopping up and he let me dab it. I was like, Phew. I was like, I need me more of that. So yeah, I was he also say, gave us a lot of like cool tips. Like we were talking a lot of tech, and he was you know cool sharing stuff. Sent me some clones. So. Saw some phenomenal uh, papaya hash uh, mm-hmm. rosin. It was West Coast. I can't remember who it was, but the nose and the way that was really playing forward, I guess the flavor profile too, just immense. I was surprised that I haven't seen that happen here on the East Coast. Well, yeah, you don't it's find, coming find its way into gardens as much as I had. Slowly but surely. I think papaya yeah. is also, like I, I have a couple homies who have <clears throat> papaya cuts, and they tell me that it's, it's kind of a slow mover, mm-hmm. slow mm-hmm. veg. Doesn't really stretch too much. No, it's kind of built if you think about it for like California, where like they do a lot of greenhouse and light depths. Well, yeah. while we're talking about strains, what's up next on your repertoire? What can you let us know that like what can people be looking forward to come into rotation within the next you know yeah, couple definitely. months in summertime and stuff like that? So what do we got? We got. I mean, we're gonna. There's gonna be plenty of Sunday Driver HK Kush. There will always be GMO. Uh, our homie's gonna keep that purple punch coming, which I'm I'm very happy about. We're right now. I'm trying to like bring in verified hash cuts so I can give them out, not like give them out, so I can get them to like my homies in the hash network who basically grow for us to process. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be something like the exotics. Got, so yeah, that you said yeah, you're trying right, to feed so into rotation. I got, I got some tangy and cream crosses. Tan, tangy cross cookie and cream crosses that I'm pheno hunting. I just got clones from from a homie. I'm kind of like helping him sort through some stuff. So I'm hoping something from that goes well. I just popped 12 Great Pie Wedding Crashers from mm. Harry Palms, which is Great Pie Cross 2 Wedding Cake Purple Punch. Wow. So those are, I think there's going to be some very nice hash strains in there. I'm very excited. Got. I don't usually pop full packs of seeds because I'm, Sketchy. I, I I don't usually buy doubles of packs either because I'm I'm just like I'm buying one pack and I'm hoping <laughs> for the best and maybe get two runs. But I, it was a really nice full moon, so I cracked the whole thing and I hope to find <laughs> a great pie that dumps. Um, I just did some motor mouth from the homie Masonic Smoker. Shouts out to the God Masonic Smoker. Absolute savage breeding out of Compton, California, just throwing pollen around. Um, but that's a motor mouth cross, so like kind of like lemon lime terps. Motor mouth, um, motor mouth. I was thinking actually motor breath, but on that terminology or on that topic, we were talking earlier about strains that yield well and yep. strains that don't. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, breaths tend to yield favorably in like the numbers. Um, I so I haven't washed like the when you say breath crosses, I immediately think of Thug Pug, and I haven't washed too much of his. I gear. think more like Mendo breaths, meat yeah, breaths. Like that's, I, that, that's Thug Pug. He does mm-hmm. a lot of like everything. I feel like everything he crosses to is like to some Mendo breath male that he found, and then it makes the flowers look really nice. But I don't think the the breath genetics yield much, to, lend much to the hash. What are some of the best yielding genetics that you've come across? Anything. Chem D lineage usually does nicely. That's why the GMO, I think, is a freak of nature because it's Girl Scout Cookies Chem D. The Chem D just has that structure that wants the heads to roll. That Crockett's Cut of Straw Nana does really well. Um, uh, in Rhode Island, their member berries does really well. That's an in-house original, so nobody else has that, which is pretty cool. That's a 
Funky Cross. Um, and there's a lot of How things that do cake? like decently. How about cakes or pies? Wedding, pies probably not Wedding so cake much, huh? usually does like three to four percent, which is good, but it's not like it's Anything not like wow, it's not yeah. crazy. Like mm-hmm. GMO is like you pull you pull a bag of GMO, you're like, holy shit! Like where did all this resin come from? You know, <laughs> it's like a glitch in the matrix type situation. <laughs> um, Makes you want to run. The I think whole we've road heard somewhere upwards the Sunday driver seven, cut eight, that we have. Yeah, more, so GMO GMO has been our all time high yielder. We've hit we've hit over seven percent. Two or three times. On oh, that's that, awesome. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's just like, it's a love hate thing too, because I know when GMO is coming, I know there's going to be a lot of it. And I know that means a lot of GMO packaging. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a love hate thing. The Sunday Driver, my homies grow up here. That yields about 5%. The HK Kush yields about 4 or 5%. Sunday Driver, wow, good yielding, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, and on top of that too, and that's the other thing, it's like, you know, people can say, Things yield well, like eight percent, nine percent, like whatever. But then it's like, well, how does the rosin numbers like hit? Because then I'm sure that full specs hitting like fifty percent, sixty percent tops. Mm-hmm. So, so right. really, your yield you know, like there, that Sunday driver yields like you know mid eighties in full spec and in ninety U rosin. Like, wow, it, so it, that's it really, specs, really like yeah, grease. it's straight grease. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the ones. What where, do you find with like Gorilla Glue? So everyone says that Gorilla Glue is this great washing strain. I've never had good luck on it. Honest to God. I've had like two and a half, three percent usually. I feel like I'm Ooh. glue. Ooh. Wow. How about yeah, maybe like four percent a couple times, but generally speaking, glues are. I'm not excited to wash glue by any means. A lot of a lot of cookies crosses lately. Yeah, cookies crosses aren't. If you like cookies, you'll like the cookies hash, like the dosi dough mm-hmm. that we wash for our homie um, the Beavers way. Shouts out to him. They've been hooking us up with the material. Um, it's like if you like dosy dough, it's unbelievable. It is straight cookie dough terms, but it, the yield isn't great. It's tough to like viably run that. Right. But right. it's you know it's a passion project. Like they they really love that terp. I love that terp. I think we're gonna keep it around just because it's so good. Have but you uh, played with i ninety five? No, I haven't seen too much of that. I hear it does well. I know that's like a nice like kind of like gassy yeah that's right OG sort of profile. It is. Yeah. I see it cross with like chems, which I like. Or is there chem? Crossed into that. I'm I'm not really sure the lineage on that, but mm, I've seen some gas. I know a lot of homies up here wash that the Chem D I ninety five. Yeah, I haven't had too much experience with it. Uh, the I ninety five, yeah, this is quite popular. Yeah, and who, the who washes that up here? I've seen uh, hot and heady teddy yeah, wash a lot of I ninety five. That's who's who I uh, it? Salmon Falls. Beside ninety five, washed a lot of it. Um, I know mainstream cultivation contributed some to Salmon Falls. Mm, yeah, follow them too. I'm not sure who was who was the cultivator on Hot and Eddie. Yeah, I've never really had, like. There's a, there's a lot of strains too that it's like I just like haven't really seen, mm-hmm. or it's like someone's told me it's this, and it's like I don't really know if it's good representation of it. You know, sure. But while right. we talk about you know Rhode Island, Maine, all these places. Where do you see Mission Hill melts in five years? Like, where do you plan on? Like, five years, I will be in California because, as much as I love the East Coast, my heart is on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan, is that the transition you're trying to make? Yeah, I've. I mean, in some ways, I've slowly started that. Like, I'm. I'm. It used to be me and my partner doing a lot of work, and now we're trying to get more people underneath us. I'm trying to teach teach people the ways of uh, the hash making. Like right now, I got. I've basically finished training my homie who's washing the hash down there for me. Um, which is, I mean, obviously it's for freedom, but also my lungs weren't super happy with me. Fresh frozen irritates me on like 
super badly. Like um, I have to wear like a respirator mask when I'm washing. Like I have to get like special organic vapor cartridges. Like if I'm if I'm washing and taking like deep breaths of like fresh frozen, like I choke up like just the terps. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's something to do with the high terps, and I think. And I'm not 100% sure about this, but I've talked to other hash makers because I know I'm not alone in people who have reactions to, like, washing terps and whatnot. But I think when you when you harvest plants and weed especially, I think when you cut them down, they release histamines, which are what trigger your allergies. Mm-hmm. So when you're washing all this cut-up weed, like, there, there should so that be oh, yeah. histamines. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I basically, like, it got really bad. The first time I ever washed, I basically had a full asthma attack because I had... It was warm, so that it was off-gassing for sure. And then, like, I had no idea what was coming, so it was pretty pretty scary. So oh, right. it's been nice I to think. have people do that. And, like, you know, I don't have to, like, put myself at that little risk. But constantly sharing tech, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, they, they, for the, the most process, part. Honest to God, it's do. like I could, like, you know, washing is pretty straightforward. You put weed in water and you mix it around. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, how hard or how long you go for, you know, there's certain things. But it's basically... Get get everything cold. Do it as quickly as possible. And you talked about how you moved away from machine washing. Yep. What was the, yep. what went into that decision process? So we I can so that actually changed from the ego clash. Basically, I've noticed that a lot of people have been going from the work bag cube tech to the what I call the raw dog tech, just kind of like open washing and sometimes in full mesh. Sometimes you're just washing in a barrel. Yeah, right. Seven Ten Labs who. Shouts out once again, like, you know, they're big on the cube workflow. So I follow in their footsteps kind of blindly. Like, you know, I honestly didn't question it. It's just kind of like when I see people doing it without work bags, I was like, this looks messy. Like, this mm-hmm. looks, you know. But, you know, I went out there. I realized that most of the people who I respect making hash were, were using that bagless tech. They were getting similar yields, if not better. It's a lot easier to work with, we found. Were they using by bagless? Do you mean they were... They were ditching the cubes, but were ditching they the also cubes. using a work bag, a big work yeah, bag? Yeah, so they were, they were washing in like 32-gallon full mesh sort of situation. Like a 220. So so after talking to a bunch of people, uh, I was like, you know what, let's give this a try. Let's, you know, we'll order the bags, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a run. Like, and it's, it's really nice. Like the actual like effort it takes to wash the same amount of material is like exponentially easier. Do you have a bag brand that you want to shout out or ones that you yeah, use? Yeah, I do. So we used to rock Ice Extract and mm-hmm. we, back in the cube days, and they make great bags, but they're, for whatever reason, we had a run of cube bags. We went through, I think, six of them in like a five wash period, which is terrible numbers. Like, oh, yeah, this, this from hand washing too, not even like machine washing. And they kind of left us hanging on customer service. And then we found Micron Extracts, who are our go-to now, basically like if I blindfolded you and gave you their bags i don't think you'd be able to distinguish them they give us great customer service every time mm-hmm. similar also, price points or yeah similar price points i think um i mean i've never really tried to get custom setups from ice extract but they like if we want individual bags or if we want like when we got our setup we wanted you know the eight bag kit we wanted some of them full mesh some of them regular and they were totally cool yeah and they also rocked the full lifetime warranty on their collection oh bags. yeah yeah nice you uh you mentioned uh going out to california or yeah. West Coast. Yeah, West California. Coast. Okay, would first year California. What would you, what would you be pursuing out there? I want to get Mission Hill Melts set up, Another. basically f- like autonomous autonomously out here, and I I just want to live in California. Honestly, 
California is a dumpster <laughs> fire of a marijuana market, so sure. I don't really have any interest in right getting my toes in that. unless someone would you who be? You definitely probably would set up. I assume your own little personal lab and yeah. I mean, I would do something, do something small like or like I like honestly like I would be totally cool with just living out in L.A. When I lived out in L.A. for those six months was the happiest six months of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm very much trying to get back to that. It's just like I started up out here. My brand is built up out here. My right. brand doesn't carry like even close to the sway it carries like on the east coast so and also i think so i think california i think back to outdoor then i think of an argument that sometimes made of don't wash outdoor what is your argument to that i've I've washed outdoor if it's good material and you care for it it doesn't really matter it's like that's better profiles have come from outdoor sometimes we've washed some fire we've washed some stuff that we didn't label because we don't we don't label indoor outdoor because we basically only grow or only wash indoor and if it's outdoor and we we let it go. It's obviously fire enough that like it passes. So yeah. there's definitely been some like some frost farm runs that we did that were outdoor that were so fire you wouldn't believe that they were outdoor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it's just knowing the plants to grow outdoors, knowing when to harvest them. You know, you want to like make sure the they're shaded if it's really hot. If um, you don't want to like track up too much like dust around them, which is a big thing that people don't think about. Like if you're driving your truck up to your outdoor plot, all that dust that you're pulling up from your truck is going to oh, yeah. land somewhere and that's going to yeah, show itself inevitably in the, in the bubble. In the budge, yep. So like yeah. my, 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 my homie, like, you know, he walks everything over. Everything's, like, not, like, disturbed. So his outdoor is super clean. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I think outdoor makes great resin. I think the sun is the best light source in the game. I think uh, I think companies like Laser Cat, Cannabis, and uh, Cali Kosher have the – the future model, right, which is, like, really nice uh, climate-controlled greenhouses, four-season greenhouses. Like, you can get harvesting all year. Your electricity bill is a fraction of what an indoor grow is, and if you're growing for concentrates, it doesn't really matter what your plants look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. I wish I wish someone out here would do that. If anybody uh, is listening to this, let's get some big-ass greenhouses <laughs> filled with hash strains and... Just crush it. It's been mostly CBD. Because that's going that's towards. that's how uh, I mean, like you know, the, I don't really know the prices up here, but you know, hash is expensive. Like, yeah, it's, it's not cheap. The only way to ever get those numbers down is to do large scale greenhouses. And yeah, it's reflective De- up here. Uh, I think if you're outside of the Portland market, you can't really sell hash for over. Yeah, 80. for sure. Like my, my uh, boy Two Hundred Seven Farms lives in Dixfield, which I think is like way the fuck up there. Yeah, so you're definitely not selling hundred dollar grams here. of hash. Up no, there. no, not easy. Yeah, yeah. right. I think a couple of uh, different locations within cities uh, can still sell at a good number, but yeah. uh, you can't expect it from all over. It's not. It's not definitely. That yeah, I definitely see like a few. What is it? Uh, the Fire on Fourth Street. I know. Yeah. They have like some real nice premium products. Uh, yeah, they got a good Beach representation. Boys, I think I've heard of. Is that a the Beach Boys Two Hundred Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I see people mm-hmm. posting there. So. Yeah. No, I, there's a there's a couple that go around that in like the Portland area too. I hear those two uh, yeah, Atlantic Farms. I hear of Atlantic Farms also uh, put out quite a bit. More so concept-wise, I think it's really good. To, um, I'm trying to think of other places that I really like drift towards. We've uh, been using, we've been One thing to I wanted to shout cure. out that's, on, on, that's uh, really taken like, my eye concept-wise, it has nothing to do with hash, but it has more so to do with the marijuana market and like branding and stuff, is Stoner & Co. released like, this trio box. I thought concept wise, idea wise, like execution. Give if you haven't taken What's a, a look at it, they, it's it? like it's the they basically th- it's variations of strains, but they organize the ones that they best think fit 
for sleep, sex, and um, oh, and like right. brain stimulation and stuff like that. So like sleep, sex, and thought. And so it's like all these, and like they can vary in strains, but they're all supposed to lend themselves to those three categories as far as like what they serve for that box. So you can buy the box. And it's kind of, I just thought it was like, and they, the way they market the yeah, whole- a lot of crazy stuff. The, it looked really cool. And like it did how they presented it. I just thought it was such a cool idea. It was something to try. And it's it sets the bar high for like main stores because the way they told their story, whether it be true or not, if you believe it or not, I don't really care. <laughs> but the <laughs> yeah. point of it being is how they put it out there. And how they execute the whole nine yards of it is just like really cool. They did wrap my hats off to them. They um, they're a storefront that has a lot of high CBD products. Uh, flower. Is there a, a market for CBD hash? Um, I mean, uh, for it sure, it would have to be less generalized. Than that. It's, you got to break it down to strains once it's again. It's one of those things where, like, yeah, not all CBD is created equally. So definitely. Sure. Um, I definitely want to try. I've I see people doing like hemp flower rosin. I don't really think you could wash CBD strains necessarily. Well, see, that's what I. So I saw Top Secret Extract. Who's like, yeah, you know what? It's funny. I saw something. Him he do just something washed like that. something that was like a like a one to one CBD. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would have been medical mass, right? I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, I think capital that's cultivation. Right. Sure. So that's cool. So I mean, but that's one to one. That's I'm when you say CBD, I'm thinking more like like legal, less than one like, percent hemp related yeah. stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely find some cool like stuff like one to one. I'm sure that didn't yield crazy well, but it definitely yielded enough to make it like viable. I would love to taste it. I think CBD products are dope. When I first started, uh, I did a Pennywise flower rosin that was like unbelievable. It was like a one to one or like a three to two is pretty close. And you dab it, it tasted like cherries, and you were relaxed. It was like you just like took off your tie after a long day in the form of a dab. It was super good. I've got a question about um, most of the, in hash, most of what I've seen is is fairly uh, plants that can be uh, generalized as indica dominant. How come we don't see a lot of sativa dominant hash? Yeah, so the, so the sativa genetics do not yield for solventless. And that is because basically... What I, my understanding is that the indica sativa, which people will say that's like not even a correct we're breaking, way to, we're we're yeah. really really breaking it down. Basically, the, here. the indica sativa. We know we're is, looking more for the terpenes. Sativas are like tropical strains, equatorial strains, and the indicas are more your like farther up where it's you know more like moderate climates. So your sativas are naturally tall. Mm-hmm. They're very airy. They're spindly. And they flower forever. They literally take, um, you know, 16 oh, plus sure. weeks. Yeah, economically And that speaking, is because those are the only plants that could survive growing in tropical climates. With high temperatures and high humidities, anything that grew with bud that was too dense would have bud rot and die. It wouldn't be able to. Yeah, that's true. It wouldn't be able to procreate. So you have to have these light, airy strains that could withstand high humidities and high temperatures. Those strains that survived from that natural selection have very small trichomeds that basically don't even you would have to run something almost smaller than like a 25 it's just not the right profile to Mm -hmm. wash Mm -hmm. compared to like your sturdier indicas which are short squat and resinous from like the cold temperatures and like the more moderate climates like that's where you're like i'm sure your chems your all of your building blocks to good hash strains definitely came from that Mm -hmm. and then it's trying to figure out how to work in the traits from certain things into the ones that you want. So trying to find like the sativa terp with a trichome head that will survive the wash. 
So sativa dominant type. We players. watched some dragon fruit before. It came out horrible. <laughs> Yield yeah. wise. Oh really? Oh yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. Tangy crosses. <laughs> most hazes don't wash well. No, These are all yeah. like staple sativas. Well, Which hey. would explain why. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I learned that on Hash Church a long time ago when they were talking about that. I always thought it was interesting. Just thinking about thinking about them less as like one classification and more about like the area they came from and how they're like a product of their that's how that's how weed used to be. You would never get like strain names. It was like when my dad was smoking weed, you know, it was Colombian gold, Afghani, you know, Swazi. Like it's just wherever it came from was <laughs> yeah, right. what it was, and right. they were all different because they're climates were different and they had different unique strains so mm-hmm. i like thinking more about where they came from where they grew what how like they crossed up and which traits came through from what yeah yeah there you go well thank you very much it's Absolutely. a pleasure talking yeah, to yeah. you this afternoon been a good time we appreciate yeah, yeah. it I anytime think so. you guys want to get down we'd love it hit me up yeah yeah for sure thank you right. thank you guys. thank you very much I didn't even. I've never heard anybody explain the sativa thing to me as much uh, as yeah, just was, so simple really and easy. I didn't oh, even yeah, think dude, of that. It's really, like it's Pranata. one of those things that's like right in front of you, and you never put those two things together. <laughs>